It's time to stop reimagining things and actually start changing them. Tune in to Recalibrate with Samsung, where we'll discuss how technology is changing the way we work, connect, and live our lives. Today on Recalibrate, we re-welcome Dr. Simon Locke, CTO of RG Nets, to continue our conversation around 5G, and this time looking at residential America. How should multifamily residences approach networking? Let's dive in with your host, Jason Claybrook. Today it's just you and me, Simon. Did I tell you why we decided to name this Recalibrate? No. So. You know, for years we've, several years, I think it's turned into some really lazy marketing because everybody reimagines everything. It's gotten to the point where it's just a great annoyance for me whenever I drive by. It's a church on the side of the road that says, reimagine your religion. It's reimagine your chocolate bar. It's reimagine your hotel stay. It's reimagine everything. Oh. Everybody's imagining stuff all the time. Nobody's actually doing. And doing requires you to focus and recalibrate and with especially with all the different technological shifts we have now not just 5g but things like blockchain and you know people sure. think that's just financial but it's really digital ledger and gets in the supply chain and you have micro segmentation now it's something we talk about a lot you have artificial intelligence and machine to machine and machine learning and all these things we really just need to recalibrate how we think through things and that's where the name for Recalibrate came from. Well, let's name. change how we're thinking about things. Instead of imagine, let's do. Yeah. So. I'm all about doing, man. I know you are. So a few months ago, uh, it's getting close to a year, uh, you were in Orlando, Florida with one of my contemporaries, Terrell. And I got there a little bit late and you were at an apartment complex, kind of giving everybody an overview of the way that we like to network yeah, on a multifamily situation. You had everybody's attention. I walk in and interrupt and, hey, hey boys, how's everything going? And took a little break and I said, Simon, how's it going? He said, taking these guys to church. I said, so they're finding religion with this, huh? He said, absolutely. So break ended and I said, boys, pay attention. He's about to turn around from the pulpit and take you to the next level. So did that talk about that day what was the uh when we go and we have these conversations face to face with people and they have this idea in their head they've been networking this way f forever they've been taught and they don't change and you know re talked about the winding roads in connecticut and not getting to the straight path what's your experience that day when we're in florida well it's a lot of the times right when you have that situation with people that are in this industry or have been doing things away, like the curvy roads, right, that we were talking about, they don't see that what they've been doing for so long is so completely wrong. The they got blinders on? They got huge blinders on, right? And the, the multifamily example is a beautiful example of that. Because in the multifamily, what's going on is we take the standard enterprise network, right? We go and we take this network for which the goal is for everyone to be able to communicate on the network, right? Sure. That's why we put this network there, right? Sure. We're putting a network there because we want everyone on the network to be able to connect to stuff. Maybe there's a shared storage device or something like that, right, on this network. Everyone needs to connect to that. Printers. That's why printers, whatever. That's the goal. But when we're talking about a multifamily, 
That's not the goal. We don't want everybody to connect to this network. Right. And traditionally, everybody's responsible for getting their own network. Exactly. They don't have a network. They have to go and get something that's isolated just right. to their home. Right. So you got to go call up somebody who'll drive some over with a bucket truck and then build this little, little network that's only for your individual little unit, right? That's kind of the standard approach, right? And we've all run into those problems, right? You make that phone call and then it's like, oh, I'll be there in like five days or two weeks and then I'll be there between uh, 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., right? So you take the whole day off work and then they don't show up, blah, blah. Oh, that's a huge problem. So, yeah, you sign your lease and you're waiting for days and days, days and days. weeks for this internet and no one wants that, right? And so the concept is, all right, let's go and do networking for a multifamily, right? So you got these guys that have been doing networking all their lives. And they go and have a curvy road problem, right? Where, okay, well, how have I been doing networking all my life? I've been doing my networking all my life the same way. I go and I build this, I put one router firewall thing, I go and I make everyone, I connect everyone to that, but then that's not the right network. Then they go and they do this for property after property, and then they wonder why Nothing's working. Why is it that all these people are unhappy? Why is it that, you know, I've got all of this angst and and all of these people that don't want to live here because this network doesn't work, right? And it becomes almost as bad a problem, sometimes actually as bad a problem, as the phone call, two-week delay, you know, where you get the residential gateway that comes in from the service provider. You know how that, that one really works is the service providers on the front end when a property is being built they'll actually pay a a marketing fee to the apartment complex or to the loft or whatever it is. And the property management company or the owner, if it's independently owned, will get a check for say 150 grand. They'll go buy a Lamborghini or buy a boat or do something with it, right? And then they're locked in where all the residents have one choice for next three, four, five years. Yeah, and and technically it's not that they only have one choice. They just make it difficult for you to have another choice, right? Because there's legalities there, right? You can't actually have an exclusive, but you can have a marketing agreement, right? Where, oh, well, the only thing that's promoted by the property owner is this one thing, right? Right. Could you go and get something else? Technically, yes, but it's so difficult that no one would. I mean, after all, why do you go and you rent in a multifamily to begin with, as opposed to going and, you know, buying a home or something like that, right? For starters, the whole reason why you're doing this some percentage of the time, maybe half the time, is because it's less work, right? Right. A lot of you don't people, have to change your air filters. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to do anything. A lot of people actually that I know, you know, move from their own individual houses to a multifamily because I've done that. Better. I've done that. I did that four years ago. Okay. It's great. I have a dry cleaner in the basement. I've got a really cool gym. There's a wine bar. My wife has a wine subscription to the wine bar. And so when you go and pick it up, you're also you have to taste the goods while you're there, right? But super convenient. There's a lot of restaurants around, a lot less maintenance. Right. And so convenience of access to the internet is the same sort of thing, right? It's convenience, the same kind of convenience with any of the other utilities that you need to live, right? And so when you want that kind of convenience, right, the concept of signing a lease and then not having access to the internet for two weeks or more right, potentially, which means that you can't do work. Take a half day off of work. All of that, it's just, it go. it's antithetical to the cause, right? Right. The whole point of this, for at least half the people doing this, is that it's easy. And what we've done is we've simply just made it hard. And so what we want is we want this kind of concept of easy to be able to 
you know, exist in that sort of networking. And so that's why we start doing things like trying to deploy enterprise equipment, enterprise Wi-Fi, right? The problem is all of that is designed with the same goal in mind, which is to say that everybody on that network needs to be able to talk, which fits nicely into the concept that, you know, we were talking about the whole zero unity infinity thing. We always mm-hmm. talk about it, right? Because there's one network and everyone gets on it and everything goes, right? So that fits nicely into the But network. one network, everybody sees everybody. And everybody sees everybody. And that's not what you want in a multifamily. It's exactly the opposite. So that's why we have to do things like deal with micro-segmentation. What's interesting about that thing we were doing in Orlando, they were actually starting with home IoT. They wanted to do some automation. That's right. And be able to have electric door locks when you move in. So at the time you sign at least you download an app and now you can unlock your door, but you're still, you're on this kind of private property Wi-Fi network that's managing internet of things, but it's not for the resident to be able to get out to Facebook or to stream Netflix, Hulu, et cetera. So when you follow that up, you know, there's a lot of inefficiency in the use for that network. Right, because what's going on there is you've built two networks there. So now all of a sudden... The individuals get their own... Right, you know? The zero unity infinity rule, right? You've broken it. Why? Because now, at a bare minimum, we've just said we've built two. The answer was two, so it's wrong. The answer was two is wrong. We built a network for the facility, and then we built a different network for the people, in this case, a network for the people that may or may not even work, right, depending on how how it's done, right? And then that's just wrong. So immediately, as soon as I saw that, I knew that you know clearly that this was uh, this was incorrectly architected. And then the interesting thing there is is that they also knew it was incorrectly architected, but in a roundabout manner. So what happened is at a different property where they had exactly the same thing going, the answer of two, right? Right. It turns out that the company that going that went and dealt with the internet there for the for the, for the residents there eventually figured out that they had this facility-wide network and then asked them, hey, uh, can we just uh, use that facility-wide network for our purposes too? And the owner- So it became three? It became like two and a half to three, depending on which way you you, you count, right? Right. And the owner of the, the IoT side of the business was you know, thinking to himself, well, this can't be right because I built this for IoT. Why am I running guest driving goals? Why does this even work at all, right? This shouldn't work at all to some extent, right? Because this is not what it's designed for. And then that's when he started asking the question of what is going on here? And fortunately, because he went to his Samsung uh, ecosystem partner, uh, which was the smart things, uh, and from there was able to find uh, the Samsung networks partner. And that's how, you know, Terrell was there and I was there and then you. Yeah, and so, in what you taught them that day, a lot of it centered around micro-segmentation. So in typical build-outs, you have your residential gateway. And as the resident, I've got Wi-Fi or internet connectivity. I could do a hardwired stuff in my home, but I'm isolated to my home. I've got a residential gateway. Next-door neighbor's got a residential gateway. We've all got these force segments because we've all got these really unique relationships and bills with a third party provider, but we are isolated. Right. We can only use this in 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 your own room, right? Right. So that that fits the the zero unity infinity principle because that's an infinity. Every single person has their own network. 
right? Yeah. It physically has their own network. There's a cable modem, some kind of media converter, residential gateway, whatever you want to call it, in every room. And right. there's a Wi-Fi radio built into that. And the reach, at least on the wireless side of that network, is the distance of, or whatever, the, the, the maximum range of the Wi-Fi radio that's built into that. Right. And that's fine. Everything about that network architecture is fine. Except if I go to the clubhouse, and if then, I go to the dog park, yes. the pool, now I have to reconnect to something. Well, or more likely you don't have anything to connect to, right? So architecturally, this concept is fine, but it doesn't provide the feature set that we want. Because after all, when you're in a multifamily, what do we say, right? A lot of the people that are doing the multifamily thing, they're doing it for amenities, amenities, ease, everything. And this network architecture, while it is academically correct, you have the right approach, it doesn't provide the features that the people want. What they want is they want the ability to go to the pool and be on the network. Well, actually, what they really want is to be on their network on the pool. Right? And that is where logical micro-segmentation comes in and why logical micro-segmentation is so important. Because when you have logical micro-segmentation deployed correctly, then you can do crazy things like be at the pool with your tablet or your, you know, your, your, your little book thing, you know, have a little game controller, and then you can reverse cast the game console that's in your room. Why? Because you're on the same layer too wherever you are on the property because it's correctly micro-segmented. So it is... Can I be there with my next-door neighbors? Are we on a shared network at that point or... Well, your next-door neighbor would not be able to attach to your stuff unless you allowed them, right? That would be the concept, right? But you could be anywhere on the property and you could get to your own stuff because your micro-segment follows you throughout the property. And I'm logically segregated from the rest of the residents or any back office stuff that the property's doing. And that's very different from the physical segmentation we were talking about before, right? So before what we were talking about is the kind of like the standard, at least the standard correct approach is deploy a router in every single unit. So here what we're saying is- Then I can't reverse cast from the- Yeah, pool. you can't do anything because of the fact that you, you actually have physical separation, right? So what we're saying here is we're gonna build one giant, beautiful physical network. And then- One SSID. One SSID, right? And then we're going to go using micro-segmented DVLAN technology, go and build little bubbles for every single person that connects. How long does it take to build that bubble? Uh, well, it depends on which product you're using, right? Because certainly what I'm ta- describing could be done with standard networking technology, but it might take you a while, days, weeks, right? But it happens to be that what we're doing you know, with the, the Samsung products, the Axis in particular, is that that uh, process takes seconds. So I can build... Uh, 300 VLANs for 300 uh, apartments in an MDU in you know five to seven seconds, exactly the same time it would take with radius codes, with radius, DHCP. with DHCP, with default gateways, all of that, right? Is because 300 the limit, or no, no 4,000 is the limit, 4,000 right? 4, 4, VLANs per physical uh, network, right? right? And then we can exceed that pretty easily as well uh, because we can virtualize. That'd be a big apartment complex. Yes. Or, you know, you could do this for other reasons other than apartment complexes, right? You could build one micro-segment for every person that's coming to a stadium, right? You have a private seat at a stadium. The perfect network would be that AT&T have- stadiums, 100,000 people when it's maxed out. Yeah. You could do 100,000 You could do 100,000 of these because what you would do is you would, you would do it in virtualization, right? So you would go and you would have each 4,000 VLAN 
group essentially be a, a separate virtual server in a giant virtualization infrastructure. That would easily allow you to overcome the 4,000. You know, that would be a cool amenity for season ticket holders. Be an awesome thing. Or forget about season ticket holders. Think about for the stadium, how it represents revenue generation. Because the guys that show up at that stadium, some of them are professional photographers, right? And right. as a professional photographer, you get paid by not just having you know a good image or whatever, but often having the first image. The first guy that can show up with a high-resolution picture of something that's really important, right? That guy gets paid $5,000 for that picture, right? Yeah, well, from AP or somebody. Exactly. So that person is willing to pay $1,000 for a high-speed connection, dedicated high-speed connection. Why is he willing to pay $1,000, right? Because if he puts out that picture first before everyone else, that's $5,000 in his pocket. And as we were discussing on the previous podcast, right, one of the interesting things about micro-segmentation is that not only does it allow you to do these kinds of things, not only does it provide the security, not only does it provide the ability to have mobile micro-segmentation in the case of this multifamily, but it also actually improves the performance of the network as a whole. Right. So what we can do is we can combine get rid of a lot of broadcast traffic. Right. Get rid of not just broadcast traffic, but even unicast traffic, because that photographer is probably going to be somewhere. Potentially, it could be somewhere, let's say, on the field. Right. Mm -hmm. And that AP that happens to be attached to the photographer probably is not going to have a lot of other traffic on it. So then all of a sudden, he's got a clean link. He can have a different traffic shaping policy, all tied to a billing engine, in a, his own micro segment, so that when he takes that picture. You know, let's say he's got a real serious camera, like, you know, like a phase one IQ4, something like that, where when he presses the shutter on that, the camera actually over to Wi-Fi sends the RAW directly to his laptop. You can't do that without proper micro segmentation, right? You'd have to cable it together and hope and this and that and whatever, right? But cabling it together has its own set of issues. Hope doesn't make you $5,000. It doesn't make you know, And if you've ever dealt with these kinds of camera systems, you know you don't want to be tethered unless you are in a studio situation. Mm -hmm. Studio situation, you can have a tether and you can go and work around that. But if you're talking about high action these things, having that cable running out of you, that is a terrible idea, right? So having the infrastructure that supports this entire workflow built into the stadium supports monetization. It supports an ability for the network to provide ROI instantly, right, on this one giant physical, which is exactly what we're talking about with the multifamily, right? Because with the multifamily, what they were doing with the IoT before was spending $100,000, dollars $300,000 on a network to support the door locks and the thermostats and stuff like that. Refrigerators, any kind of... Anything like that. Why did they need to do that? Why did they want to do that? Because it represented the 30% reduction in maintenance cost. That's why they were doing that. But the ROI on that is nowhere near as good as building that same network for the same price and then using logical micro-segmentation to also be able to recover money from the people that are living there as well. Yeah, you charge a technology fee. And now you become the service provider as the property. So you get a big fat dumb pipe from the service provider. And you're or providing. Three. Huh? Right. Or three pipes. Or so. three pipes. It could be whatever. So you have that recurring cost. But aside from the capital investment and your Wi-Fi network and the gateway and then whatever smart devices you want to include in the home, now you're providing some really added benefits to those residents. You could have a smart refrigerator. You could have smart washers and dryers where you're actually logging maintenance on these things. Door locks, 
you have the more mobile experience that carries you to the gym and to the clubhouse and the pool and yeah, dog park, parking lot, where, wherever, so long as you're in the coverage area. Yeah, so long as, as you're in the physical coverage area. You're and you're not, wait, you're not waiting a week or nope. two for somebody to show up with the thing that they're plugging into a wall, turning on, and it's on day one. It's a utility. Before you even walk into the door with your electronic door lock, you're connected property-wide. Absolutely. And the whole electronic door lock thing represents its own series of interesting problems too, right? Because unless you deploy a facility-wide network, the electronic door lock is not going to work. Because as we said, right, what's the normal way in which you get a internet connection if you're in a multifamily? You sign the lease, you you go in, and then you wait for someone to show up to give you internet, right? Right. Well, how do you go in the door if the door requires internet access for it to have your code programmed Then there's no internet? So you can't get in the door because you have no internet access for the door to update its code, and therefore you can't get the internet access because you can't get in to begin with, right? So you have to spend these hundreds of thousands of dollars to support all this stuff. You have to spend that money. The facility-wide network is absolutely needed in order to support all of these use cases with IoT. And what we're saying is, is that since you're going to spend that money anyway, why not build microsegments on that? Why not integrate monetization of that and then have instantaneous, clear ROI? Where these networks, we find, you know, when we do the models, what do they pay for themselves in like five months? Yeah, five, six months. So if you're charging somewhere between 70 and $100 a month, depending on where you're at, and for the resident, it's I'm getting internet access property-wide, and I'm getting a smart home that's ready-made for me. Am I willing to pay that? I'm going to pay somebody 75 80 bucks, $100 a month for internet access so I can watch Hulu, Netflix, whatever play Fortnite online and now i'm just changing who i'm paying that to and for the property manager instead of taking that marketing fee that's a hundred two hundred thousand dollars for three to five years over that same period of time if i've got 300 and i think we one of them we modeled at a property with 320 units at 95 percent capacity was going to generate somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 grand a month in revenue. So payback period could be five, six months. And then the rest of that, you know, 60 month time period, you're talking about generating a two, $3 million worth of revenue. It's a new revenue stream that you can invest back into the property. Or if you're independent, you could buy a couple Lamborghinis yeah. and a boat. Think about how much more you could buy with that instead of the simple door fee, right? That $50,000 door fee, that's one you know, I one time, you, right? <laughs> yeah. And talking with these guys, the retention rate, whenever they follow this model, people, the resident falls in love with it. Right. So the cost of vacancy also goes down. There's some soft costs that get eliminated here. So the, uh, the one of the key things that most people will very easily relate to is not liking the fact that the internet service provider is some other kind of bizarre thing that you have to go call and maybe someone drives over a week later, right? Because not only when you install, what happens when you have a problem? You can call and maybe they'll try to reboot your modem or you, they'll tell you to reboot your computer, things like that. That's kind of normal. But what if there actually is a real problem? Our call volume is higher than expected. Yeah. Your current wait time is infinity, right? not unity or zero. <laughs> and so compare that with the experience of you know, having the people that are on the property be able to go and help you with this or having someone that's local be able to help you with this. There's no truck roll 
three, five days later for someone to come out and mess with, you know, an amplifier so that the Doxus thing talks, right? None of that is there, right? Everything we're doing here is facility-wide, you know, active Ethernet, uh, standards-based stuff that everybody can kind of go and mess with and do and understand how to control and how to configure and how to fix and things like that. And so the cycle time with resolving problems is so much lower that the... Uh, the experience that the tenants have is completely different, right? It's so much better, and that's where they have this retention uh, change, right? Because one of the biggest costs that they have is getting people in to go and rent these apartments. If mm-hmm. someone leaves, then it costs them a lot of money to get a new person in. And what we're saying is we're changing that because people don't want to leave because the internet at these places works so much better, right? And it makes for teleworking easier, it makes online gaming easier. It makes it fits in the paradigm that we were talking about. A lot of people that are moving into these multifamilies. Why? Because it's just more convenient. You simplify your life. Simplifies, yeah. Right. You have so many other things you want to do. Why do you want to go and screw around with all this stuff? Right. You go and you live in a multifamily, and it's just easier. And so this falls right in line with that. Speaking of simplify, we have kind of an extended stay hotel thing that we worked on uh, in North Carolina. And same concept with micro-segmentation. They're driving all their video content to the screens over Wi-Fi, but they've added IoT-based shower heads and they're voice activated. So controlled by a voice assistant. So voice assistants in a room, you know, talk about the height of laziness or convenience or somewhere in between. You're able to actually, over this micro-segmented network, go in and say, hey, I'm going to get in a shower in five minutes. I like it to be 103 degrees. And five minutes later, you have the perfect water temperature in your shower. You don't have to sit. We talk about waiting for somebody to show up. We have a lot of little wait times all over our life. We go turn the water on the shower, wait for the hot water heater to kick in and, and then everything to be just right. So I get torn between laziness or convenience or a bit of both. Well, and ma- the magic of micro-segmentation to enable it, right? That property is You're not turning on somebody else's shower. Yeah, right? You know, the beauty of that that place is, uh, uh, you know, every time we talk about it, every time we see that, it's just amazing, right? You walk into one of those properties and it works so well, you know, and forget about the the cost difference or whatever, right? I think a lot of people will be willing to pay more for that kind of convenience, because imagine trying to configure all of that yourself or set that all up for yourself at your own home, right? There's a lot of time involved in that. And some people like that, right? You know, they want to tinker with it and they want to whatever, but other people don't. They just want to walk into something and just have it be perfect. Well, and there's a lot of things going on in multifamily. You have these, call it a vertical master plan communities that are popping up where you have the residences, you have a gym, you have a retail section, you also have something like a Regis or a WeWork in the building. So it's this whole live, work, play concept. So if I'm an entrepreneur or own my own small business or even a teleworker and I've got my home, but I like getting out of the home and going into this shared office workspace, my segment can follow me down there and I'm not having to reconnect there to get on. I go down to the retail shop to get a, I don't know, some fresh pressed juice or groceries or whatever, I'm connected throughout the whole thing and just the hassle of having to reconnect. Even if you've got these stored networks on your phones or laptops, 
it's still a pain to have to go and connect and and then you're wondering is it safe is it secure because they're 17 and then you're when you have this network that's planned logically segmented you're inherently more secure right absolutely because the idea is that what's going on there is something which you've predicted ahead of time that you want, right? This actually goes back to something we were talking about in the last uh, podcast, right? Remember how we were talking about like the airplane network and how, you know, what I believe happened is that, well, some dude decided to go and add to the airplane, you know, guess Wi-Fi network, the controller for the thing, because it was just, oh, well, it's just there. I'm just going to right? So it's yeah, the same thing here, in. right? You know, by designing the network ahead of time with the concept that it will require micro-segmentation. What that means is, is that problems that you have yet to discover, you've solved. That's the airplane thing, right? Mm-hmm. A problem came up that was not predicted when the person architected that out, which would be that someone decided to go connect like a, you know, a microcontroller type device to this network, right? So never, no one ever predicted that would even be a problem. But the interesting thing with the micro-segmentation is that because we've solved it with the infinity choice, because we've ahead of time architected it in a way which is resilient, we are going to solve problems that we don't even know that we have, right? Someone else is going to go and run in some other day and try to connect something, this, that, whatever. We don't know what that is. We can't predict what that is. But because we chose to deploy it in a micro-segmented manner, that problem will actually not be a problem at all. So when the complex decides, all right, this is the path for me. I get it. It makes sense. I'm solving for infinity. Now do I have to create some new disciplines in my organization to manage this? Because maybe that's one of the uh, challenges for people is we're good at changing air filters and light bulbs and dishwashers and and having coffee ready in the uh, common area so that people can enjoy these amenities. But... Do I have to develop these new fantastic disciplines to make sure all this is functioning whenever somebody says, hey, my internet's not working at the pool, reverse casting? Yeah, so that's one of the things that we do extremely well at Samsung, right? Is we have this very strong focus on the usability Mm -hmm. and the configurability and the long-term sustainability of these kinds of, of networks, right? So what we've done is we've made it so that with our technology, our product, right, where the interface to it is so straightforward that essentially any standard technician, even one that's not skilled in the art of IP, can go and take care of it. And that's because we want it to work and feel just like the IoT. Can you imagine a rent, an average person taking care of the IoT? Well, yes, because that's what we do, right? The same guys that we're doing the changing the air filters are changing the batteries on the door locks, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we had to go and tell them a little bit about how to do that, but that's not the end of the world. That's pretty relatively pretty standard thing, stuff, right? Yeah. So it's the same sort of idea. We have the micro-segmentation technology developed and mature to the point where that same person that has moved from only changing air filters to being able to change air filters plus the batteries on the door locks you know, as well is also the person that can go and make sure that, oh, because like I said, it's all active Ethernet, which means that it's relatively you pretty, know, straightforward. pretty straightforward stuff, right? So that same person can go and diagnose problems with that and whatever. The other thing that you're that we're seeing is there's a... Because of the fact that so many people are now coming up in an age where computers are standard and computers are known, mm-hmm. that the skill set is available with 
uh, to do these kinds of basic things with much, much lower cost people than you would imagine. When you think about corporate IT, the amount of money that you have to spend on corporate IT is measurable, right? It's something which is, it's not, not an, it's often, it's not unbelievably out of control, but it's not insignificant either, right? What we're talking about here is through automation, like what we described before, where we can build thousands of VLANs in seven seconds, through user interfaces, like what we've described, for example, with the Samsung SmartThings, where we can make IoT so easy and so easy to maintain that even the guy that was you know normally just doing the air filters can go and help maintain that. We've done the same thing with the networking side. What we've done is we've made it so that that same person can help with that process. That person is on property. You know, that person is already doing a lot of these things. And also the world has shifted a bit in the sense that that person has their own personal computer. You know, what we found is is that with our partners that deploy the Samsung products with micro segmentation, they find people that have gone to the two-year colleges that are vocational colleges, things like that. And they are very happy to take this on and quite capable of troubleshooting basic things and dealing with active Ethernet type installations because there's no strange stuff with amplifiers and whatever else going on, right? So what we're finding is, is that although it might seem daunting at first because of the fact that we're so used to spending so much money on various forms of uh, corporate IT, just like the transformation that we had with IoT and simplifying it with Samsung SmartThings, with Samsung Networks, we have a huge amount of transformation capable there such that the micro-segmented networks can be supported by people that you already have on staff. Furthermore, if there is a need, for example, like a 24 by 7 call center, right, those are easily, those kinds of services are easily available. You know, you can get an outsourced 24 by 7 help desk that will help a person, you know, reboot their computer, which is the problem 99% of the time for unbelievably low costs, $2 a door a month, that kind of a thing. And so it's, yeah, it's that's so- Just burden that into the cost of the technology the cost. It's so fee, easy. It's, it's, it's outsourced, it's easy, right? So, you know, you have your on-site hands, which are the same people that are dealing with your IoT. What would be cool with those on-site hands, by the way, is if we did need an air filter change, just regular maintenance, that since now I've got this smart home, that as a resident, if I'm at work, I get notified that somebody entered my place. Well, I think that we do have that with some of our partners, right? So I yeah. think that, uh, yeah, uh, with uh, the the IoT tech in particular, right? Right. You know, we actually do have apps that That was a leading things, question right? for so, you. <laughs> it works, right? Yeah. Yeah, it works. You so, get yeah. this notification through smart things. Smart and, things and, 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 hey, and it tells, it actually logs because the maintenance tech has yeah. to hit something and they open the door with their smartphone right. and they go in and says, hey, at 12.07, Fred walked in. And I think they've even got that integrated with package delivery now, right? I saw that that was a recent release of... of uh, yeah, concierge feature. service. Right. And you not Don't leave your Amazon box outside, outside the door. Outside the door. Push a button and then they can drop it, it on right the inside, inside of the door. door, right? So, you know, I think a lot of that stuff is quite amazing in its capability. And when you think about it, right, how hard is it to maintain that? How hard is it to configure that, right? And it turns out that the same staff that you have that are doing, you know, the relatively basic things, for example, you know, changing the air filters or this or that or whatever, are the same people that need to change the batteries for that, make sure those come online and this and that. Why does that work? Because of the fact that we focus so much at Samsung on the ability to make that usable, 
make that so that anybody can go and access and control these things, right? We've done exactly the same thing with the networking technology. That's so awesome. I think that's probably enough for today. So micro segmentation is important. We talked we've talked about now with the airline industry and multifamily. We probably have 10 more of these talking about different reasons why it makes sense. For oh, yeah. Manufacturing or yeah. for state. Well, you touched on stadiums a little bit, healthcare. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Another episode sometime down the line, right? Oh, I hope so. All right. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. And I guess it's become my traditional sign off now. Adios. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recalibrate. For previous and upcoming episodes, or for more of our content, you can head to samsung-networks.com, or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.